Uh, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Um, help us to be those who always pray and never lose heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I'm thinking back a number of years um, and uh, I was uh, calling up a particular girl on the phone. I called the household and I asked if I could speak to a girl named Larissa who lived at this particular house. And I was told, no, she's not here. I said, well, do you know when she'll be back? And her father said to me, no, I don't know when she'll be back. Maybe a bit later. I said, can I call later? I don't know. And he hung up on me. Okay. That was good. So I thought, well, that was not, not what I was hoping for. Uh, so I thought, you know, I'll give it another try. So a few days later, I called again. Uh, Larissa, for those who don't know, is my wife now. So this, this is a happy ending to the story, okay? Uh, uh, <laughs> I called up again, and, um, and I said, you know, is, is, is she there? No. Will she, when will she be there? I, don't, I really don't know. Can I leave a message? It's best if you don't. Oh, okay. I call again. I get the message, uh, look, Larissa doesn't want you calling, so please stop. And hangs up on me. Oh, well, I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'll call again. That's what I'll do. So I call up again a fourth time. And luckily, this time, I got hold of Larissa herself on the phone. And she said, hello. And I said, oh, I'm not really sure what happened. I thought maybe, you know, it would be all right to give you a call. But then I got this, your dad on the phone. And she's like, oh, yeah, there's this other guy calling me. And yet my dad doesn't know that you exist. And so he assumed that you were this guy and he's just getting rid of you. I thought, oh, okay, that makes sense now. Um, a little bit. Uh, and her dad had proudly told her, some guy called, but I got rid of him. And she said, what was his name? Oh, I don't recall, he said. So Now, I've never let her dad forget that. Um, father-in-law, he owes me many, many things. Uh, he also hasn't let me forget it either, actually. Um, but fortunately, I persisted in, um, in calling up. Otherwise, well, Ali wouldn't be here right now, would you? Um, so uh, I wonder, have you ever persisted in something in your life? Ever found something that's difficult in life and thought, you know what, either I try hard or I just give up? You ever faced that in life? Um, some things uh, are very difficult to think about. What do I do with them? And we've got a story that Jesus tells this morning. Now, some of the stories that Jesus tells, the parables as we call them, are quite difficult to understand the meaning of. Well, not quite difficult, but seem a bit difficult. But I think this one's quite straightforward. And I think that is because Jesus tells us what it's about at the start. Chapter 18, verse 1 of Luke says, And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And so you're like, what's this story about? I don't get it. Well, frankly, you've got to actually get it. Come on. It says you should always pray and not lose heart. Um, I think as we look at it, we might have a few questions about what that actually looks like as we go through. Because although it's quite straightforward to get the actual meaning of the parable, I think the outworking of it becomes or can become a bit twisted if we don't pay enough attention. And so he tells a story where there's two characters. There's a widow and there's a judge, all right? And we meet them both. We meet the judge first in verse 2. And it says here, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. Okay, so this judge is, um, I guess, in a nutshell, not a really nice kind of guy. He's not known for his compassion or his fairness, his equality. He's known because he loves himself, okay? He does not care what anyone else thinks about him. His conscience isn't stirred by right nor wrong, as we assume. He's going to make the decisions that he wants to make. He doesn't care about God or man. He decides what happens. And it's to this judge that a widow is making her appeal in verse 3. A widow keeps coming to him and asking for justice. Now, when you look at these... um, in Jesus' time, a widow is someone who cannot provide for themselves. They need someone else 
to provide for them. And so she has some sort of adversary in this story. Someone is holding her down, perhaps taking what she deserves. We don't exactly know. We're not told. But she can't make things happen on her own. She's powerless to do so. And so she appeals to someone who can help, namely a judge. And hopefully this judge will make things right. I recall uh, as a teenager, um, I'm one of three boys in my family, and as a teenager, um, we were living in the country, and our parents' friends from the city came to visit, and they brought with them their teenage children, one of whom was a teenage boy. And my brother and I were doing what teenage boys do, playing video games, right? And we're sitting there doing that, playing video games, and uh, my parents' friends arrive, and they say, here's so-and-so, can he, be, can he play with you? Oh, of course he can. He sits down. And he says, can I have a turn? And we say, yeah, you can go next. All right? And so we're playing our video game. And what happens when we finish our turn? We have another turn. And another. And he says, can I have a go? Oh, next, next, next. And we just keep playing. Eventually, he does the only thing available to him. He gets up. He leaves the room. He goes and gets his dad and comes back in. And his dad says, can I have a go? Yes, of course he can. Um, he appeals to a higher power, right? That's what he's doing. Now, that's the widow here. Okay, That's how it's supposed to work. When things don't work for you, you go and get someone who can fix it for you. That's the widow. Things can't work for her. She needs somebody to fix it for her. And so she goes to the judge to fix it. And in verse 3 we saw, she says, give me justice against my adversary. And she keeps coming to this guy and asking the question. And what does he do in verse 4? For a while he refused. Now, we don't know why. Is her case wrong? Is she in the wrong? Is he just being someone who doesn't care about anyone else? It doesn't exactly say, does it? And yet her, her plea is refused for an indefinite amount of time. It could have been ages. He just goes on refusing this widow because he can, because he can do that. She's oppressed. She needs someone to help her. And he keeps putting her off. But eventually, second part of verse 4, We read there, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so she will not come, so she will not beat me down by her continual coming. So he gets sick of the woman pestering her, uh, him, and he says, you know what, you can have whatever you want. Fine. And his motivation isn't because it's right. It's not because justice needs to be done. His motivation is self-serving, right? He even reminds himself of that. Well, I don't fear God or respect man. He says it about himself. But I'll give her what she wants. Because my day has been ruined enough by this woman over and over and over again. When I was, um, back in 1998, there was some, oops, sorry, wrong slide. There were some um, pretty serious storms in Sydney. And uh, my car resembled this after the hail fell on it. And I called up my insurance company and said, hey, my car has been destroyed by hail. What can you do? They said, no problem, you've got comprehensive insurance, hail is covered, you're fine. Great. They said, you can take it to these repairers and they'll fix it up for you, but feel free to wait because we've got a lot, a big backlog, a lot of damage from the storm and you can take it at any time in the next year. I was uh, a young man, couldn't be bothered doing anything, so I thought, great, waiting is fantastic. So I waited uh, for six, seven months and then I finally thought, you know what, I'm going to go to the smash repairer. I'm going to get them to look at my car and fix it up for me. So I went along, and I took it to them, and they looked, and my car was insured for X value, and they said, you know, okay, we can fix it up for this much. That's fine. Great. Excellent. You'll hear from your your company soon. 
Brilliant. Went home. For a couple of days, I heard nothing. And then I got a bit sussed and I went back up to the smash repairer. And uh, when I got there, I found a sticker on my car window saying, property of XYZ auction group, right? They had decided they were just going to sell my car off because they could make more from selling it and then paying me out than they could from fixing it up. It was better for them financially. I think that's illegal now. I think you can't do that anymore, but I think back then you could. Um, And I got a bit upset about that, as you may have if you found your car in that position. And so I called my insurance company and I was told, no, sorry, that's how it works. And so given that I had some experience um, making complaints on the phone at that time, I asked my call to be escalated because that was the magic word of the day. And they put me up to their boss and their boss. And eventually, after many, many hours on the phone, a long day on the phone, I got, hold of, I got put through to some guy who sounded like he could not be bothered talking to me. There was long sighs and frustration in his very few words. He didn't care about my story that I ranted to him over and over. He's, he, as soon as he could, maybe his golf game is being delayed, he, as soon as he could, he said, someone will call you back soon. Within two minutes, good news, your car's going to get fixed. And I thought, how good is that? Fantastic, because I complained and complained and complained, and I finally got the person who could make a difference, and they sorted my car out. Now, it's kind of the same story here, isn't it? That's the widow. Who knows whether she's right or wrong? She's probably right, but she pesters this guy until he gives in. Not because it's right or wrong, just because he wants her off his case. And it might make you think that it's a bit odd that Jesus tells this story. Because you come back to the start of it, 18 verse 1, and it says here that we should always pray and not lose heart. Does that mean that the method of prayer that we ought to adopt is to pester God until he gives us what we want? Is that what it's saying to us? Because it kind of feels like that now, doesn't it? Especially with my story about getting my car repaired, thrown into the mix. What we should do is just demand something from God, and if he doesn't give it to you, keep asking him, and he'll give in and give it to you eventually. That's what it feels like, doesn't it? I mean, pick something that you think maybe God doesn't want you to have, or you feel like you shouldn't ask for. Pick something. Lotto. You want to win the lotto. Probably shouldn't gamble, man. This is a bad thing. But okay. Um, <laughs> Okay, well, let's just take it for granted. And you keep asking God that you'll win the lotto. And it feels like it's saying here that eventually he'll give it to you because you've asked a lot. And it actually makes you a bit more curious, doesn't it? Because you look at it and the judge doesn't really care what anyone else thinks. He does whatever he wants. And okay, God can do whatever he wants. But does God not care about right or wrong? He just does what people ask him for? Because it starts to feel like that now, doesn't it? We've got to look at carefully, uh, more carefully what Jesus says in his story here. Because in verse 6, Jesus says, And listen, uh, hear, hear what the unrighteous judge says. Hear what he says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? You see, what he's doing here is he's telling us a story about a bad situation. That's what he's doing. He's saying it's a bad situation. And this is what someone who is corrupt does. Okay, that's what they do. The inference is not that God is corrupt. That is a mistake. The inference is, if that's what someone who's corrupt does, what about God who loves his people, who cares for them? Verse 7, will not God give justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? God loves us. And if we ask him, he loves to give us things. It's fantastic. But maybe not the lotto win, because that's not the point of it. Remember, this is a parable that's told in a certain context. And right before it, if you look back in your Bible there, 
you'll see a heading, I guess, that says the coming of the kingdom. He's been telling them what it looks like when he returns. He's going to come back. And as he finishes the story, in verse 8, that seems to be what he's getting at. I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? You see that? So he's actually saying, what are we looking forward to? Are we looking forward to Jesus' return? Are we praying for that to happen? Are we praying for God to provide our daily needs as we look forward to that? Those are all good things to do. Praying for Lotto? I don't know if that's the right thing to do. Sorry, Maz. Might have to just keep picking on you on this one for a few months, but that's fine. Um, Not necessarily right. Praying for a bigger swimming pool at your house. Again, may not work, but probably happened because of the rain last night. But praying for all these kind of things is not necessarily the right thing to do. It's actually focusing our prayers on who God is and what he wants from us, how he would have us live. Because he is the righteous God. And if we have that focus, we should, in verse 1, always pray and not lose heart. And so I guess the question that we should have is, in the light of the fact that Jesus will come back, what is it that stops us praying? What prevents our prayer? Is it we don't really trust God? He might not deliver. He might not come back. Now he's taken our sins. We've got an insurance policy for that but for day-to-day life, I've got to trust myself. Is that what we start to think? As if the two things aren't connected? This is the God of the universe who sent his son to die for us. We should rely on him in our prayers. Always pray, don't stop. What about losing heart? I think it's probably key at this stage to get the non-takeaway message from the parable. And the the non-takeaway message is, what does the parable not say? Okay, What does it not say? What can you not walk away thinking? And you can't walk away thinking that this parable says, nag a God and he will give you whatever you want. Because that's not what it says, okay? Pester him and he'll give in. That's not what it's saying. It's saying the opposite. It's saying, if even a corrupt judge listened, how much more the God who loves us. There will be justice, as it says there in verse 8, 7 and 8. God will give justice to his people. But what is this justice? Well, the justice is that God's people will be free from their oppressors. That we'll live in a world where humanity is no longer spoiling it, ruining it. This justice means that those who live for themselves, like this corrupt judge, they will be brought to account. The, the earth will function the way it should. The new heavens and the new earth will come and that is what you find when you're in God's perfect world. Now, as I said, I, I pulled this out of the archives and um, I, I had a little uh, newspaper article that I was supposed to show you at this stage, but I don't have that article here. Um, I have the headline from it and I thought it was quite interesting. It was an article from the Northern Advertiser in Wollongong. Okay, Anyone read that paper before? I didn't think so. Um, and it was talking about a big event coming up in Wollongong Mall. Okay, The event um, was an event that was going to bring world peace. And the article was titled, Peace Begins with Every Individual. So what they were going to do was uh, gather in Wollongong Mall, sit in silence and meditate because that would bring world peace. Now, obviously, it's happened, so we can judge the results. But before, if it was happening tomorrow, what do you reckon? Good chance? No chance? No chance? Why not? Hey? This is the sin of the world, that's right. 
because there's people in the world still, right? Their silent prayers and meditation aren't going to, their wishes, that's not going to bring world peace, is it? And it didn't. Um, I'm not sure how many people went, but has anyone been to Wollongong Mall before? How, how big is it? Yeah, you'll do it. Oh, or the chair behind you, I don't mind either way. Both are as talkative right now as each other, but... Um, <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> it's just basically one street, that's right, closed off at two ends. That's what it was when I was there too. Well, that was some time ago as well. But Wollongong Mall, packed full of people, probably doesn't hold that many anyway. Not a significant event in terms of bringing world peace. And I don't know if sitting in silence is going to get the job done. Um, in fact... They gave up on this event. It doesn't run every year, I don't think. So there we go. Um, the only time you're going to see true world peace is when Jesus returns. We're not going to find it before then. We can pray that conflict stops, and hopefully it will. And God answers that prayer. But we know more conflict will spark up somewhere. We know so many things are wrong in this world, and that we need Jesus to come and bring justice. And when he does we know that his people will be vindicated. And so until that time, our faith is to be shown in praying for that day to come. Praying for God to be working in our lives. Asking him to, yes, give us things so that we can work towards those ends. When the Son of Man comes, says Jesus, will he find faith on earth? And I guess guess the faith is found as we persist in prayer. So uh, let's do that now. Let's pray. Because God is not an unjust judge. He hears us, he acts to bring justice through his son Jesus, whose return we long for. Let me pray. Father, we do wait for you to re- your son to return and we pray for your justice to come. We know that you hear us. Help us to be those who cry out day and night and not lose heart. Because we look forward to a very, very wonderful time peace and justice for all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.